Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad they asked. You see every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your questions. However, we don't always have enough time to get around all the questions that get sent in, but if you sent in those questions and you tip to support the channel, I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get those questions answered, so we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos and uh, we just had disney plus day on friday we did a live stream had over two hundred thousand views of the live stream and then uh youtube pulled it down which i fully expected i fully expected that they would put it down because you know we had some copyright material in there so perfectly good but we had like up to fifteen thousand people watching live at once overall by the time it got pulled down it already had like two hundred thousand views so thank you to everybody who made that stream such a success, even if it's not online anymore. So thank you to everyone for that. But a lot of very, very cool things revealed. I'm sure we'll talk about those on Monday. But now we're going to get to the questions you guys have been sending in. So let's get things started here. We're going to start getting caught up with Josh Ward, who writes, uh, I think the first Jurassic World trailer will come on Super Bowl Sunday. That's possible. I mean, it's, that would be in February. So that actually wouldn't be too bad of a distance that, that could be a very good guess actually and i'll avoid it like the plague since the trailers for the first two basically spoiled the movie beat for beat i don't necessarily agree with that but i see where you're coming from excited for Jurassic world 3 though side note congrats on the recent success well thank you so much for that josh so what josh is talking about is um we mentioned that this past monday um this past monday morning uh, so before the whole fiasco with the spider-man pictures but we had hit a milestone in that we had hit like 4.4 million subscribe or million uh, views, I should say. 4.4 million views in 30 days, which is the biggest 30-day view count we've had since the pandemic started. As you can imagine, the pandemic on a movie commentary channel during an era when there was no movies, it was very, very tough. But uh, the 4.4 million views that we got in the past 30 days, again, does represent the biggest that we've had for a while. And we've had our biggest subscriber jump as well, which has been great. And then, of course, a new kind of milestone for us, I, I guess. We announced this past week that starting Monday, uh, Ray, who's been working halftime with me, because he's just been doing graphics and doing great jobs with the graphics. But that's only taken him like three hours a day. And uh, but Ray is starting up full time with the John Campus show on Monday, as is Kimberly Curran. Kimberly Curran will be beginning on Monday, going full time with the show. And uh, we're very, very excited about it. So uh, thank you for the well wishes on that, Josh. All right. Next up, we've got Tom Gillard and Tom Gillard writes. If Willem Dafoe is not ta talking to himself in a mirror at any time in Spider-Man No Way Home, then really, what was the point? I mean, you got to have that shot, right? You got to have that shot. I wouldn't doubt it all if they found some kind of way to put it in there, Tom. All right, next up, Tom Gillard also writes, Marvel has a track record of not letting Tom Holland, of not telling Tom Holland ever anything. That's not really true, but anyway, it's possible he genuinely doesn't know Toby and Andrew are in it or not. That's not, that's not even remotely possible, Tom, uh, because they shot his scenes with them separately. I'm half kidding, but Marvel has done crazier things. On that part, I agree, Tom. Marvel has done crazier things, so I wouldn't put it by them doing something Let's say remotely like that. I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised by that. All right, Tom Gillard also writes, uh, everyone wants to know if Toby and Andrew are in No Way Home. I want to know if the rent guy from the Raimi, wasn't that Yakov Smirnoff? I think it was, either, that was either Yakov Smirnoff or it was a guy who looked and sounded a lot like him. Anyway, 
I want to know if the rent guy from Raimi's movies are going to be in it. Uh, just show up at the end and ask for all three Peters for rent. Rent? Again, I, and I'm dying to know. Jump in the comments. Let me know if that was Yakov Smirnoff or just somebody else that looked a lot like him. Thanks for that, Tom. All right, next up. Tom also writes, My local movie theater uh, chain, Hoyts Australia, have a great membership deal. You pay $15 a year for 25% off all movie tickets. That is a good deal. Uh, off all movie tickets. And from there, every purchase earns you points. And certain point thresholds means you can redeem points for snacks or even tickets. Now, A-List has something similar. Like for every dollar you spend at AMC, you accumulate points. Those points turn into actual money on your account that you can use to put towards ticket purchases or concession stands or stuff like that. But I like that. $15 a year, like for a year, 15 bucks. And you get 25% off all movies. If your movies cost, like, I don't know what they cost where you are. Where I'm at, it's like $15, $16. But that means after four movies, that $15 a year is completely paid for itself. And then every time after that, you're saving 25%. Dude, I got to tell you, that's a pretty good deal. I still think A-list deals a little bit better. But that's a really good deal, Tom. I'm glad they're doing that for you guys. All right, next up. JR69 writes, John. In a, uh, in, sorry, John, a recent viewer asked about movies featuring the break, the great Brian Cox. May I add one to your excellent recommendations? Manhunter. Oh yeah. That's the, um, um, uh, um, uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter movie, right? Uh, Manhunter featuring Cox is the original Hannibal Lecter. Anthony Hopkins may have the Oscar, but Brian's portrayal is chilling. Brian's portrayal is chilling. Now I have some friends that actually think that might be like the best Hannibal Lecter movie. I, I, and I saw it later than most people did, but I didn't think so. But you're right. Brian Cox is really, really good in it. And I'm glad more and more people today are starting to take notice of Brian Cox. I mean, his role in Succession, obviously he won an Emmy for it and all that kind of stuff. He's been a favorite of mine ever since he was Striker in X-Men 2. So yeah, I've got a soft spot for him. All right. Thanks for that, JR69. All right. Next up, we've got Ryan Loner who writes, a lot of people are worried there will be no more Eternals films, to which I respond. Even if there aren't, just think of how much we saw Tony Stark between 2013 and 2019 without a single Iron Man film. That's true. And I've been trying to tell people that too, Ryan. It's like, look, the one thing I can guarantee you is that the split critic consensus on the movie is not at all going to make uh, Kevin Feige change his plans. Kevin Feige don't change his plans for things like, oh, how critics react to a certain movie or whatever. He's not reactionary like that. Kevin Feige will stick to his plans. And if he was planning for an Eternals 2, there's going to be an Eternals 2. You can bet your ass on that. However, what I've been trying to tell people as well is, for all we know, he just has a lot of plans for various Eternals without there being a, like, uh, uh, a literal Eternals 2 movie. And you're right. Tony Stark's a great example of that popping up in Spider-Man's popping up in civil war. You know, he's, he's here and there. That's a great example of that. Uh, Hawkeye has popped up in a lot of movies without there being a Hawkeye property until, you know, the, the upcoming Disney plus series, same with black widow until the most recent black widow movie. So you're absolutely right. All I can say for certain is whatever Kevin's Feige's plan was, that's what's going to happen. But that may either be an Eternals 2, or it may be just that they pop up in a lot of stuff. And I think we can say that with a lot of certainty. All right. Well pointed out, Ryan. Appreciate that, man. Next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, Hey, John, 
I went to go see Eternals last night at the Cineplex in Ancaster. That is my home movie theater, uh, but left before the movie started because another patron was coughing uncontrollably. uncontrollably. Made me feel really uncomfortable. Do you think I overreacted and should I have toughed it out? No, I don't think you overreacted. Listen, if I was in a movie, I have been in a movie theater where I have thought about leaving because there was a dude maybe a few seats over in an aisle up like coughing and sneezing constantly. And this is before the pandemic. Like, forget the pandemic. I've thought about leaving a the movie theater. Just like, first of all, be considerate of other people there. Nobody wants to go. Nobody wants you in their movie theater if you're coughing and hacking and sneezing and all that kind of crap. And that's even without there being a pandemic. So, no, I would have thought about leaving even if there wasn't a pandemic. And in a pandemic era, I don't think it's unusual for you at all. And I hope you went to the manager and said, hey, look, I know it's not your theater's fault, but you've got a patron in there who's like coughing and hacking and wheezing, and I'm not comfortable being in your theater that way. I'd, I'd just like to get a refund on my ticket or give me another ticket so I can come back another time. I hope you did that because they should have honored that. And no, I don't blame you at all. I blame the jackwad who's like, if you're sick, like, just stay home. Well, I'm pretty sure it wasn't COVID. It doesn't matter if it's not COVID. Like, if you're just sick like that, don't go and expose other people who are just trying to enjoy a movie. So no, man, I don't think you were being, I don't think you overreacted at all. It's like, why would you expose yourself to that? Just go, you know what? I'll come back another time. I think you're perfectly justified in that. And I hope you asked the theater for a refund or another ticket. All right, next up, we got Keaton Toothman who writes, the other day, uh, I see I saw you talking about how almost how Druig almost put a celestial to sleep and how powerful that makes him. Mantis was putting ego to sleep quite often, so it can be done and by someone not all that powerful. Uh, love you, dude. Baby Azazel says, um, "Okay, but it's listen. It's been a beat. Guardians Two is not one of my favorite movies. I liked it, but it's not one of my favorite movies. So it's been a, a few beats since I've seen it. But wasn't most of the time that she was like putting ego to sleep?" Like, wasn't it like that he wanted her to do it? I'm trying to remember if I remember it correctly. But listen, you can't say Mantis isn't all that powerful. She was putting Thanos to sleep. She was keeping Thanos subdued as he had Infinity Stones in his hand, right? I don't think we should underestimate how powerful Mantis is. Mantis, Mantis is obviously pretty powerful, but that may be a very, very good point about... Uh, her role in Guardians 2 with Ego. And that's a good point. Again, but I can't remember the film well enough because it's been so long since I've seen it. But that's a good point. Well raised, man. All right, next up. Afrim writes, uh, Hey, John. In regards to a fan's recent question about Brian Cox, another regarding the Brian Cox question, I wanted to add one of my favorite roles he played, the eccentric and loony Dr. Finch in Running With Scissors. Ooh, I almost forgot about that one. He delivered some of the funniest lines that I still quote, was that not with Gwyneth Paltrow? I want to say Gwyneth Paltrow was in that one. I know Jace, uh, um, Ray Fiennes' brother, Joseph Fiennes. I know Joseph Fiennes was in that. I think Rachel, Rachel Lee Cook was in that one. Anyway, yeah, that's not what I'll, all I always remember though is the poster. Like the legs with scissors on the top. I'll just always remember that. So that's, that's a good one to point out, man. It's a good one. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Karam writes, Hey, John, my friend has never seen the Lord of the Rings films. I have. We decided that I would watch it with her. So, oh, sorry. Should we watch the extended editions, which I love, or the theatrical cut, 
theatrical cut. She's an average moviegoer in terms of frequency and diversity. I feel like you might have asked this question once before. Maybe somebody else asked an identical one. But if it is the same one, I'll tell you what I said before. To me, while I can appreciate director's cuts, and I certainly appreciate the extended cut of Lord of the Rings. I certainly appreciate it. I do. To me, the theatrical version is the definitive version all the time. Every time. That's not to say that a director's version can't be better. That's not to say an extended version can't be better. But the movie that got released, that's the movie. That's it. And so I would strongly suggest in a situation like Lord of the Rings, I would say let her first experience with it be with the theatrical version. If for no other reason that it might be a bit much, I mean, the Lord of the Rings films, theatrical versions are pretty long as they are. It might be a bit much to introduce them to it with like four hour long movies. That might be a little bit challenging. So I would personally, I would recommend start with the theatrical edition. If she loves it, then maybe sometime watch the uh, extended cuts as well. That's a great question, man. I'm sure everybody will have different answers for that. If you have a different answer for it, jump into the comments and let, uh, let Karam know what it is you think about that. All right, next up. We got Peter Hill who writes, Hey, John, I just wanted to say thank you for giving me a place to be able to relax and unwind. Well, thank you, Peter. I have uh, nothing exciting to contribute, admittedly. I just, I really hope my cinema does midnight showings of No Way Home. I adore the atmosphere of midnight screenings. Look, here's the problem. First of all, Peter, thanks so much for sending that in, man. Here's the problem with midnight screenings. And I used to love midnight screenings. But part of the magic of midnight screenings was, as far as regular movie-going audiences go, you're the first to see it. I mean, obviously there were press screenings or premieres, but as far as just being a regular film-goer, you're the first to see it, right? That's kind of the ma- part of the magic of the midnight screening. That you just can't wait till tomorrow. You got a chance to see it tonight. I'm going to go see it tonight. The problem is a lot of that magic disappears once there was an 11 o'clock screening and then a 10 o'clock screening and then a nine o'clock screening. And now the first screenings are generally 6.30, 7 o'clock the day before Friday. So there can be a midnight screening, but you're no longer the first audience to see it. Uh, other audiences saw it in this same theater before you about four hours ago or five hours ago, Right. And so, yeah, I do kind of miss the the allure of the midnight screening and the energy that was there, but it's hard to recapture that when there are earlier screenings. And so, uh, yeah, and if I got a choice, all other things being equal, like when I go see, you know, Morbius or Spider-Man No Way Home or whatever else is coming out, and there's a midnight screening, but there's also one three hours earlier, I'll probably go to the one three hours earlier. Cause then I can actually get some sleep and I get to see it before the people going to see it at midnight. So that's kind of my take on that. It is, but I remember the days man fondly of the midnight screenings. All right, next up, uh, Brett writes, Hey JC, uh, you said you're concerned about people are no longer in awe of superpowers in the MCU due to so many characters. But when the MCU is mostly X-Men focused, I think this could be a good transition into society hating powered people if, for example, mutants, the problem with that is there's, just like in the comics, this is one thing that's never really made sense to me in the comics. It's never really made sense that the world hates and fears mutants, but they love a lot of the other superheroes. It's never made sense to me. 
some are born different. Some get their powers through other means or other phenomena. But at the end of the day, that guy's got powers. That guy's got powers. Oh, but we hate those people. I, I've never really read something in the comics that really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It never really reconciles that. And in the MCU, I think it would feel even more awkward. The world loved Captain America and he's coming back. Uh, the world loved Thor and the heroes and all that kind of stuff. I, and, the, you, you're not going to change them so all the public hates all superpowered people. At least I don't think they're going to do that. So yeah, I just I just always wonder how they're going to strike that balance with it in a live action environment. I'm sure Kevin Feige is going to come up with something great. I'm saying that is one thing that's always made me wonder about that. All right, next up, uh, Jacob Cortez writes: Do you think Disney should make a movie with original live action main characters interacting with many favorite uh, Disney characters? Uh, L.A. animated, uh, L.A., I guess you mean live action, as a celebration of the company's 100-year anniversary could be a magical event if handled right thoughts. And it looks like you copied that again. Uh, I have a thought that Disney could make a movie uh, with original live action characters interacting with favorite Disney characters, uh, live action animated in celebration for the company's 100th anniversary could be a magical event if handled right thoughts. I don't think so. I think they, listen, they have tried stuff like that. Different people have tried stuff like that. The recent Space Jam is just a good example of that. Not a lot of people are really interested in it. There, I mean, granted, Space Jam wasn't all that good. The new Space Jam was, frankly, I don't think the first Space Jam's all. Okay, can I just be honest? I don't think the first Space Jam is all that great, but this new one is certainly not all that great. But aside from that, people just weren't interested in going to see it. See all these classic characters like Bugs and Daffy and all that kind of stuff on, on screen with with live action characters. It's just people weren't interested, and they've done that before. But I think the only time that's really been done to any sort of real legitimate success was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I guess the thing is, I don't know if there's a good movie there, and even if there is, I'm honestly not sure that there's a lot of people who want to see, I don't know, Ryan Gosling and and uh, George Clooney and Denzel Washington in a movie with Mickey Mouse and Pluto and Daffy trying to save Disneyland from Bob Chapek. <laughs> now, wait a minute. There's a movie I would see where a bunch of movie stars have to join forces with Mickey and Minnie and Daffy and I say Daffy, I meant Donald uh, and Donald and stuff like that to, to save Disneyland and the Disney empire from Bob Chapek. That's a movie I would see. Sign me up for that one. But aside from that, honestly, I, I just don't think there would be interest. There've been a couple of projects that have tried to cross that live action with animated. And it's, it really hasn't worked out a lot lately, at least in the last, not the last couple of decades, but I don't know. Maybe there could be something special there, I, but I'm a little bit dubious of it. I'm a little bit dubious of it, Jacob. All right, next up, we got Jack Lumbers who writes, at Cinemark to watch the French Dispatch, in the middle of the trailers, Matt Damon appears to uh, epically describe how the world is going to change. Uh, thought it was a movie trailer. Turns out it was a commercial for Crypto.com. Seriously, the whole theater groaned. Yeah, and they've put that on television as well. That that little commercial has been on, and it is pretty epic, right? He's walking through, and it's like all these world events and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, really? It was a Crypto.com commercial. Yeah, I could totally see it. But why put a commercial in the middle of a set of trailers? 
That's particularly deceiving. I don't, I don't like that practice at all. I, I don't think they should do that. All right, thanks for sharing, Jack. Next up, um, HV3 writes, You have been an NHL fan for a long time. Yes, I have, my whole life. How do you feel about games ending in shootouts? Hate it, love it, or just think it's necessary. The best improvement the NHL has made recently is making overtime three players instead of four. I like the shootouts, but all the time. So here's the thing about shootouts. That's been a big point of discussion for hockey fans. Honestly, the reality is, while most overtime games will end within the first period of overtime, I I have seen overtime games go like four periods like literally I've seen over. So you've literally now played two full games over something. That's not really high stakes. It's an 80 something game season, or I, I forget the exact number of games they play now, but it's for argument's sakes, an 80 game season. And this is just one game. Do you really want to kill yourselves and all that kind of stuff? So, I mean, and theoretically it could go on for four or five hours. Now the playoffs, that's different. You play until somebody wins in the playoffs. But for a regular season game, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people who don't like shootouts, and I get it. To, but to me, it's the lesser of several evils, right? You just can't, for just a regular season game, you can't have players out there over-exhausting themselves and killing themselves, playing two and a half extra hours on top of it just for a one out of one game out of 80. It just doesn't seem worth it. But in an overtime, in a playoffs, I mean, play overtime until somebody wins the game. That's kind of my take on HV3. All right, next up. Willow writes, you've said that Superman Returns is a good character study, but not a good superhero movie. When you watch a genre film like a Superman movie, do you usually judge it on its own merits or do you judge it as a Superman movie? Well, that's a false distinction. It is a superhero movie. And therefore, if you judge it on that basis as a Superman movie, you are judging it on its own merits. The thing is, it will strike you differently depending on what you personally are looking for. Like, I personally really like Superman Returns. And I love, you know, Brandon Routh as Superman. Henry Cavill's my favorite. Obviously, Henry Cavill's my favorite. But I love Brandon Routh as Superman. I think he was a great Superman. And I thought it was a very interesting movie. And it kind of itched a scratch I had for a comic book movie at that time to be more of a character-focused movie, to be more about a study of the God-man living amongst humans and like what can possibly be a weakness of the God man. And I thought it did a great job of looking at that, that while he is the God man, Superman in this, in, in, in this movie, he's, he doesn't know how to relate to the world. He doesn't know how to relate to the woman he loves. And then he finds out he has a kid. I mean, and so it was within that, I found that very interesting, but I think there was a part of me that was looking for a movie like that. As a comic book movie, that's generally not what audiences are looking for when they're going to see a comic book movie. They go in with a different set of expectations. They go in looking for a different kind of experience. And movies are nothing if not experiential events. And if a movie doesn't give you an experience, then did the movie do its job? And then it depends on what experiences are we as an individuals kind of looking for. What kind of experiences will make an impact on us? You know, the experiences that Superman Returns made an impact on me. I, I really appreciate it for what it was, but it's not going to make an impact on everybody, particularly people who are going in to see a more uh, prototypical superhero movie, especially a Superman one. 
So, yeah, I really quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I liked it. But I recognized the weaknesses it had, especially as a superhero movie, and therefore I can completely understand why a lot of people who were going into looking for a different kind of experience and would have been impacted more by a different kind of experience walked out feeling disappointed. So, yeah, I don't think those terms actually will. It's a really interesting question, but I don't think the terms are mutually exclusive here. But anyway, that's just my thoughts on that. Great question, Will. Thanks for writing that in. All right, next up. We've got uh, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, reports say HBO Max is leading the pack of mobile downloads for streaming apps in the U.S. with uh, 38 million, Disney Plus 29 million, Netflix 28 billion, uh, million, uh, Tubi and Hulu round up the top five with 22.7 and 22.6 million, respectively. Does this report uh, tell tells Max day, day and release worked? No, no, nothing at all. As a matter of fact, HBO Max trails so far behind in most of the key categories, it's kind of laughable. So, no. And when you do look at the growth of HBO Max, we talked about this before. This is a report coming out of IndieWire. When you look at the growth of HBO Max over the past year, it's just the same trajectory. Like, before the day-and-day release, HBO Max had a certain growth rate. And while it continues to grow, it's it's basically been a straight-line trajectory. It hasn't really amplified its rate so no it not at all it was a bust that's why they're going into 2022 getting rid of it because it was a bust if it was a big success they would continue on with it in 2022 it was a bust they know it was, it was a bust and uh, that's why they're switching it back and not going to be following that uh, that thing for now we'll see what happens in 2023 2024 all right next up uh, mark 2021 writes Hey, John, if Andrew and Toby are in Spider-Man 3, do you think they will do the famous meme, all three Spider-Men in a circle, and point to each other? Just a funny nod to the audience. I don't think so. I mean, listen, Kevin Feige knows how to do fan service without crossing a line into schlock. And I think doing that where you, if you had all three Spider-Men in this movie and they're all doing the blah, blah, I, I think that would just come across as dumb and schlocky. I don't think it would come across as funny. I don't think it would come across as cute. Uh, and I think for more than half the audience, it would go right over there. I don't think they'd even know what was going on. Now, they very well could do it. And Kevin Feige, come up, Kevin Feige and Tom Watts could come up with a way that it would be cool. But I think... That's just one of those things where it would be schlock. And so I'm going to guess no. I'm going to guess no, Mark, that they won't. But anything is possible, dude. You never know. All right. Next up. D. Crave writes, hey, John, I just saw Eternals. Nice. Uh, and I thought it was a good movie. Not great, but good. My question is, since the X-Men were not alluded to in the Eternals, which I never thought they really would be, uh, like a lot of fans were thinking, well, listen, Every single Marvel project that has come out for the last three years, people have thought this is they're gonna they're gonna mention X Men in this one, and then they never do. And then the next project, oh, they're definitely gonna be mentioning X Men in this one, and then they never do. And then the next, and then, and then they never do. So I I don't know why we keep expecting that they're gonna mention. It. I mean, listen, the possibility has been there every time. Like even I thought, like I wouldn't have put money on it, and I certainly didn't say they would. But even I thought, it's like you know what? There's a possibility here. There could be an X Men reference. Hell, with Wanda, I mean, maybe Magneto showing up or Professor X or something like that. But I mean, you got to know that's unlikely. It's unlikely at any rate. Um, let's see. Since the X Men were not alluded to in Eternals, like a lot of fans were thinking, uh, what are the chances they keep the X Men world separate from the MCU? Almost zero, D Crave. Which is a shame because I absolutely think that's what they should do. I think what they should do is keep the X-Men in their own completely separate cinematic universe. There's so many X-Men there. There are so many characters 
when it comes to that. And I just feel like the MCU is already to me feeling overcrowded. I'm still loving the MCU, but, but one of my fears is starting to feel overcrowded. You're losing the sense of awe and wonder in it now. Everything's ho hum. Yeah. Big deal. Oh, there's a monster down on 43rd street. Okay. That's, we call that a Tuesday now in the MC in, in the MCU world. Like average people's like, there's a giant purple creature destroying cars down on fifth. Oh really? Oh, that's interesting. We, we have something like that happen four times a month, five times a month. I mean, that's that's the thing. And with so many characters in the X-Men, I just really feel they should be telling their own stories in their own separate cinematic universe, unshackled from the MCU as it is right now. That's what I want. That's what I believe they should do, but it's not what they're going to do. Because fans think everything should be cinematic universe. Everything should be cinematic universe. And that works to a degree. But I, I mean, I don't know. But listen, if anybody's going to make it work, it's Kevin Feige. And until Kevin Feige royally craps the bed, which he has not done up until now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt every time. He's earned it. So I believe they'll make it work. But yeah, I, I still think, man, I still think what they should do is make it a separate cinematic universe. But it's not what they're going to do. All right, Dangerous D writes, John, buy one, rent one, lose one. Godfather 2, well, that's easy. That's the buy. That's one of the greatest films in the history of film. I mean, that, that's just it. So, I mean, a lot of people argue whether The Godfather or The Godfather 2 is the greatest movie of all time. So, yeah, God, whatever comes after this, Godfather 2 is going to be the buy. Spider-Man 2 or Star Trek 2? Ooh, that's a good one. Which one gets the rent? Which one gets the rent? I will rent... Star Trek 2. I'll tell you why. And it's close. And if you ask me tomorrow, I might give a different answer. A Godfather will be the buy. That's one of the greatest achievements in cinematic history. But Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek movie, I believe. There's an argument to be made that, at least to me, that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is the best, star- best Spider-Man movie. So since I believe Star Trek 2 is the best Star Trek movie, but there's an even better Spider-Man movie than Spider-Man 2, I will begrudgingly say I will buy Godfather 2, rent Star Trek 2, lose Spider-Man 2. But I mean, that hurts. But again, if you ask me tomorrow, I might totally give a different answer, except Godfather 2 will always be in the top spot. All right. Uh, next up, BWL1979 writes, John. If Cineworld has another crack at owning Cineplex, do you think it's more likely that the Cineworld that Cineworld owns Cineplex will just absorb Cineplex's current movie membership, suboptimal, or revamp it and make it more like Regal's or Cineworld's? I totally believe that if Cineworld does buy Cineplex, and oh my God, I want them to buy Cineplex. I want them to buy Cineplex so badly. That company is Cineplex on its own has been run so badly for years. They are such an anti-customer company. They hate their customers. They hate moviegoers. They love their money, but they hate moviegoers, and they're not at all interested in trying to give their moviegoers the best moviegoing experience possible. They're just not interested in it anymore. They were when I used to live there. When I used to live in Canada like 13 years ago, they were all about giving movie fans like me a great moviegoing experience. They don't, they don't give a shit about movie audiences anymore. They don't give a shit about you. They just don't. 
they would rather put up seven showtimes in 3D to charge you for the extra tickets and one regular 2D screening at 12.55 in the afternoon on a workday than actually try to accommodate what would be best for you. It's disgusting. Anyway, so I really do hope somehow, some way, that Cineworld is able to take over Cineplex and install new management. And if they do, theoretically, if they do, I think they'll just do what they did with Regal. I think they will create a model of a movie subscription service um, like they did with Regal. Regal's got a really good one. And or one that's modeled after their own and probably get rid of the Cineplex one that they currently have. All right. Next up. Uh, Raphael, the Rocky fan writes one of three. I saw the ultimate director's cut of Rocky for Rocky V Drago last night, and I loved it. I know you feel I know how you feel about director's cuts, but this is this one I highly recommend you watch if you have the time. It's been it's been changed quite a bit from the original uh, one of the Stallone's. One of Stallone's complaints is that Rocky Four was a product of its time. It was very 80s MTV music video in its editing, and it lacked humanity. I disagree with that. I Actually, Raphael, let me go a little bit stronger than that. I reject that statement. Even as Stallone himself said it, I reject that statement. I think Rocky Four, yeah, there was a lot of 80s music video kind of feel to it. For sure there was, but it was laced with humanity. It had tons of humanity. I I, oh God, I love, it's my favorite Rocky movie. Rocky four is my favorite Rocky movie. So I reject this notion that it lacked humanity fully, fully, fully reject that statement. Anyway, I mean, it's all subjective. If that's what it is to you, I respect that. But for me, I totally reject the statement. Anyway, he fixed that by adding, um, by adding more Adrian, more Apollo and more Drago. He expanded the funeral scene. He got rid of the stupid robot. Yeah, I think they could get rid of the robot. Uh, it's no longer an extended music video and a much better film with more humanity. It really is so much better. Kudos to Stallone for, for greatly improving the film. It's now available for streaming on Amazon. Um, Here's the thing. I cannot agree or disagree with you when you say you think it's a better film now because I haven't seen it. So I can't sit here and say, it is not a better film than it was. I like Rocky Four; It's my favorite. I can't say that because I haven't seen it yet. I'm dubious. I'm dubious it's now a better film. I do find movie fans usually, whenever an extended come, an extended cut comes out, they're usually rushed to say, oh, it's even better now. And then I usually watch them like, no, it's not. There's a reason that was edited out anyway. But I will say this, Raphael, you're not the only one telling me that uh, you really liked it. I've heard some good things about it. I've heard some good things about it from a number of people. So I am going to give it a shot at some point. Just if for no other reason, this Rocky Four is my favorite Rocky movie. And to see how Stallone so many years later would kind of re-envision it with some of the older footage. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. I certainly like the trailer for it. So I'll check it out at some point. I am not don't know that's going to be this week or next week, but I will check it out at some point. And when I do, I'll let you know what I kind of thought about. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on Raphael. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, Squiggles McGee, best name of the day so far, writes, Hey, John, Venom and Morbius have more of a dark feel to them, in my opinion. Is it just me, or will Tom Holland's very family-friendly Spider-Man feel out of place if brought into their universe? I don't think so at all. Uh, recast, maybe? No. Uh, what are your thoughts? No, 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 listen. In, you can have different feeling characters inhabit the same world. 
if anything, that makes it more interesting. Listen, in our world, we have, we live in the same world with people who are vastly different from us. And sometimes some of the more interesting chapters in our lives are when we, you know, cross paths with those extremely different types of people. Not to mention, while Venom has darker sort of overtones to it, it's also in many places, they do keep it kind of light. Like the dynamic of the relationship between the symbiote and, um, and Holland himself, it just makes it, better i mean it makes it work and i think now you introduce the spider-man that you don't want him to have the same personality same temperament same character traits as venom do you want him to be a different character and see how that meshes then when they come on screen together so yeah i think it's going to be great not only do i not think you need to recast i think it's pivotal that you keep tom holland so that's my take on it at any rate school with me whether i'm right or wrong we'll we'll find out soon enough all right Last question we've got for tonight, guys, and that comes to us from Suthius, who writes, In The Rock's voice, Finally, I have seen Shang-Chi. Thank you, Disney+. Plus. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Having seen this in Eternals each once, I enjoy them both equally, uh, but for different reasons. Both have awe and wonder that fits into the MCU well, in my opinion. Listen, I will neither confirm nor deny. Neither confirm nor deny that I may have watched Shang-Chi twice yesterday <laughs> when it was released on Disney+. Plus. I can neither confirm nor deny that I sat my ass down and watched it twice. Uh, that's how much I like Shang-Chi. Now, I like Shang-Chi more than I like Eternals. I, I like Eternals. Uh, I've seen it three times. No, I've seen it four times in theaters now. I like Eternals. Uh, Shang-Chi, to me, is still head and shoulders, the best comic book movie of the year. Um, certainly best Marvel film of the year. I just adore this flick, man. I adore, I adore it so much. And again, that's all due respect to Eternals. I like that movie quite a bit. I think it's very, very ambitious, very different. I'm looking forward to seeing where the Eternals go, but yeah, I sat down and I watched Shang-Chi two more times yesterday. So there's that. All right, guys, listen, there are still more questions to come. From people like uh, more from Suthius, Ed Minty, Scott Brown, and others. Do not worry, guys. We'll get picked up with these questions when we launch off the John Campus Show on Monday. And, of course, this Monday is going to be kind of uh, the start of our minor fine-tuning to our format. Again, it's still basically the same show. We're going to be some minor adjustments to the format. We're going to have... Uh, Ray in here in the studio. We're going to have Kimberly Curran in here full time. You're going to see Rob pop up once or twice this week as well. Anyway, guys, uh, make sure you come and join us for Monday. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this installment of the companion video, guys. Thank you so much for being here, making this video part of your evening. Don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.